All right, Andrew. Uh, here we are, folks. Um, here we are. Talking more out of our asses, I think. <laughs> yes, we are. We are proud perverts. We're we're not afraid to be to, for, to have cheap locker room humor here at Parallax. We want to combine the high and the low, the sublime and the ridiculous. Yeah, the sacred and the profane. The sacred and the profane. I think the profane is very, very important, especially. Oh, since since the first time I've read Henry Miller, I think there is gold to be found in the dirt. You know, yes, he, he has this. He, yes. he uses the word "cunt," you know, in, in this <laughs> incredibly amazing way. Yeah, he makes "cunt" into poetry. Yeah. No, I think if you can talk about God, you're certainly able and allowed to talk about, you know, about down cunt. and dirty stuff. Uh, yeah, the cunt, yes, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe cunt is, is a very, very politically incorrect word word these days, but it's normally a derogatory term. But I think it, I think we should celebrate. I recently that. learned uh, learned about the word minge. Minge, what's that? That's the same thing, but it's a it's an old timey word from. I don't know. Minge. Minge. Mm -hmm. From the you Shakespearean heard, days. You never heard that? Never heard it. <laughs> yes. yes. It's like a kind of tame, you know? It has, it has not the, the uh, bravado of, you know, Kant. Of Kant. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, and then there's I mean maybe, Twat, maybe it was very, very powerful in its day. Mm -hmm. um, and then language becomes very gentrified and loses its, its power. So. Yeah. So I was talking to Mark Gaffney, and, and he was talking about the, we have to honor that, what did he say? The fuck. And, uh, and the, the, you know, this other aspect, this tenderness aspect, that they're both important, that if we deny the fuck in sexuality, we kind of create a dualism, and then we do violence to, to people. And this, this was sort of, And I, I tied that to being uh, the shadow of, of Christianity. Right. Christianity tries to deny the fuck. In other words, as Carl Jung said, Christ is this perfect man, and he's supposed to be sexless. Yeah. And then, and then this creates this whole underworld, you know, like in the Victorian age when pornography was rampant, but, you know, but, uh, but, but a strong power. When, when morality, if you tighten morality up, like, to such an extent, then, then, then there's a powerful shadow that is generated. Right. So I, so, like, so his, he I, uses I like, I like his, his, he talks about sex, sex in terms of sex, negative, sex, positive. And then, and then he says that, you know, traditional, uh, traditional cultures and societies tend to be sex negative. And the good thing about that is they actually take sex seriously. It's like sex is dangerous, you know, take it seriously guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then sex, and then we move into the sort of modernity, which is sex positive. And sex positive is like sex is just like eating breakfast. You know, it's it's a kind of mechanical kind of like right. It's a banal sort of thing, and we just have to have good, healthy sex, and everything will be okay. Um, and that's kind of a fallacy as well. That's kind of wrong wrong view of of sexuality. Um, and then today in in the, in the cancel culture moment, we're we're kind of we're, we're trying to bring back puritanism. So there's this sex positive and sex negative dynamic that's going on. Um, um, and there's just, you know, there's no, on the one hand, uh, you know, everything is permitted. And on the other hand, uh, everybody is policed constantly. Right. 
So, um, so that was one of his other things. And then his other discussion about sex was sex sacred, which is this kind of new agey idea that sex is just lovely energy and, and uh, it's for, you know, making babies and we need to channel it into, you know, create, you know, so there's this kind of denial of the fuck, you know, of the, <laughs> you know, of the, this kind of darker and, you know, not, not dark in the sense of, yeah, darker energy of sexuality, I would say. Um, and so, so let me, let me, let me ask. So, I mean, if we look at postmodernity and you have, of course, the hippies and the, Uh, it's called in Germany, life reform, Lebensreform, mm -hmm. and, you know, all these movements that kind of deconstructed, you know, modern monogam, like uh, mechanical uh, conceptions of sex, you know, and so yeah. with that breaking open of social norms, there were like, you know, okay, let's try polyamory, you know, uh, gayness comes into focus, and people act out more out of their energies and try to be more authentic. Because mm -hmm. that, that were the good sides of, of postmodernity. Yes, the post sure. And then, and then of, of course, there you have, you know, cancer culture. So, but what is his uh, mode of you know, sexual being after postmodernity, if you, if you get what I'm saying? So, yeah, like, what, what is he proposing? I, I think he's proposing the post-postmodern thing where we, we have to, on one hand, t t take sex very seriously. And he says, yeah, full-on ethics. Um. But on the other hand, we, we, we have to allow for this, uh, let's say, well, we, he was talking about like the student-professor relationship. We have to allow the, the, the complexity of relationships. So, for example, all through history and from Socrates onwards, there's, there's, there's power in sexuality. So I guess that's the point, that we have to bring, we have to notice power and notice that there's power and take sex seriously. So, so, you know, Socrates had young students and there might have been something beautiful in that kind of older man, powerful older man, younger, younger guy, whatever, early homosexuality or, or, you know, even today, professor, young student. But on the other hand, then there's, that's, there's a very complex thing because the power, there could be abuse of power. And so, so, so what is he saying? In, in terms he's of saying that it's, that he wants to bring it in complexity with, with the ethics, not, not just like, okay, here's one model of what sexuality is. Just, just take that model and, 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 and the, you know, and, all, and, and, and there's a right and there's a wrong. And if you, if, you, if, you, if you break those sexual, you know, ethical boundaries, then you're punished forever. No, because, you know, sex, sex is, makes you crazy and, and there has to be forgiveness and, you know, all that sort of thing, you know, because we kind of like... Um, we have this extreme sort of, you know, so once, somebody, yes. once somebody gets, you know, canceled, they're out forever and, and there's no chance of redemption because, you know, there's no, you know, I guess he has, has personal experience uh, in, in this area. Um, I don't want to get into the, you know, ins and outs of what happened with him. But, yeah, but now you're talking about a very special uh, uh, aspect. I mean, you know, the, the, the teacher-student relationship. I, I was asking more in, in, like in general terms, like what, what is the demarcation line of like being in the world sexually between, you know, the postmodern way of being in the world sexually and the post-postmodern ways? Like where, because you can see this, well, I this think demarcation. I think in the post-postmodern like, way we have to bring back in um, 
you know, uh, this is what I think. I, I'm not sure if you would agree with me, but we'd have to bring back in masculine and feminine and admit that it exists, you know, rather than just trying to deconstruct it uh, completely. Yeah, well, but if you, if, if, if but, I were but, to but be on the other the, hand, the, the advocatus diaboli, then the, this is where's the difference between, you know, the beginning of postmodernity, whether we're affirming masculinity and femininity in a new way. I don't see the difference yet. In postmodernity, they were deconstructing masculinity. Not, no, femininity. no, the hippies weren't deconstructing anything, you know, mm -hmm. especially well, in the Well, the postmodernists were, weren't they? No, but the, the, the whole point of deconstruction. No, but postmodernity is not only deconstruction. You know, you, mm -hmm. it was like a life-affirming movement in the sixties. Yeah. You know? Also, yeah. you know, there were different strands of uh, postmodern -post influences, and you know, the breaking open of monogamy and free love, and and you know, okay, uh, uh, let's try being gay and polyamory. These are like life. These are all life-affirming new procedures, sexually wise, in postmodernity, right? Yes, but what's wrong then? What's wrong with people's sex lives today? Then what, what's, what's what's? No, I'm, I'm asking what his his conception is. Yeah, well, his conception is that you know the world is made of desire. That's what he says. Right. So we need we need a new story. Okay. The new story is not that desire is, is, is bad, you know, not that, you know, Eve ate the apple and, and uh, since then we've been punished. Yeah. The, that we have, to, we, have to, we have to affirm that, the, that eros and desire, that the world is made out of desire and start there. Mm -hmm. And, and it, you know, concretely, I, I don't think he's, he's, he's proposing any forms of sexuality that are absolute, like, you know, heteronormative or gay or, or trans or, you know, I don't think he's making any statements about that. Mm -hmm. But as, as far as I understand, his conception of eros is like all encompassing, isn't it? It is not only in, be in, in between people, it's also in between, you know, everything, plants, yeah. atoms, Yeah. Electrons, whatever. That's his idea, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, he said that. What did he say? Something that was interesting. He says that eros existed 10,000 years before sex. So he's using eros to describe, let's say, the you know the generative, uh, the evolutionary principle. Right. That's his des description. That's his definition of, of eros. I, I I don't know if I've got him right there, but. You so know what? Well, I, I have a problem with that, mm -hmm. Andrew. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Maybe you should, you should, you should query him on that when you have your talk on. You something. know what my problem with it is? What? I th because it's a it's a logical fallacy. Because mm -hmm. if you if you think that let's say the attraction between atoms, I think he uses this example at some point, mm -hmm. uh, that leads to the buildup of molecules. Right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the lower forms of complexity into the higher forms. If yeah. that, uh, he argues, is a form of errors, right? Yeah. Which you can, which you can say, okay, let's let's take that for granted. Let's let's, let's you constitute A, and then as a as a logical law, you have to. He says A, a is like B is, is equals B, so mm -hmm. uh, uh, chemical and physiological attraction uh, is the same as errors. And then if that is true, then the other side must be true that B equals A. So that means every um, experience of errors that you have actually with another being, you know, 
is therefore a form of electrophysical chemical reaction between those two, which basically means that love in a kind of sense is only a kind of mechanistic exchange of chemicals and uh, chemical and, and physical processes. And so, mm. but this is not so you, true. You think that's a reductive this, this, this is not true. Obviously, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Because love, for example, is what transcends all the mechanistic kind of relationships. No? Uh-huh, that's interesting, yeah. So, so you know what I'm saying? It's kind so there's of a, a transcendental of- aspect and then there's an imminent aspect. Um, so I guess it's also a question of, of materialism versus, you know, so you're, you're, you're sort of talking about the transcendental, which is non-material aspect of Eros. No, I say it's it a, can it's be a, defined, it can be, can be made into some kind of mechanistic process. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a human, Eros is a human experience and a human concept for something that you experience. But if you mm-hmm. use like a spiritual concept uh, to explain like a uh, biological or chemical process, then you go down the rabbit hole and you you uh, you you uh, uh, creating a logical fallacy, because if you do that, then it means uh, by turning the argument around that every human experience is basically an electrochemical process, which is basically well, why not. can it be an electrochemical process and you know a, a psychic spiritual. Transcendental process. No, no of course you can are, say that, but aren't aren't both going on at the same time? I, I mean, why is it an either or situation? No, the question is why do you need the explana- uh, to to explain the the coming together of uh, uh, atoms into molecules or whatever? Why do you have to explain this by let's say force of errors? Why not use other evolutionary terms for this? Mm-hmm. This is my problem. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, you can bring that up with with uh, <laughs> with with uh, with Mark there. Um, I have to. I'd have to think think more about it. Mm. Uh, about that. Yeah, because he. Well, I, I I have noticed that there's this this attempt to sort of scientize religion, right? Or scientize, and maybe 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 that's what you're objecting to. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows. I mean, because religion and uh, spirituality, or scientize they- love, or scientize everything, um, or, or make 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 fit all these things into the scientific worldview. Yeah, I mean, there are scientific evolutionary worldviews and models that explain the buildup from the lower complexity levels uh, to the higher uh, form mm-hmm. of. Com- there are models for that. Why do you have to use uh, a, a spiritual explanation? Why to- not? Huh? Why can't you? I mean, everything no, just, is, uh, wants just, to be, right? That's is the whole point, right? It's like, this would be the spiritual statement is the, 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 uh, the desire to be. The Nisargata would talk about is, is, is the, you know, just the, 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 we want to, the wanting to be and in, in the increased complexity and in the increased, yeah. But then there is death too. There's also the other side. There's the mm. dark side, right? Eros is not like a, like a, but my, I think my Dippy notion it has a dark side as well. It has a, it has it has death uh, built into it, right? I think my argument would be like you, you know that saying from Wilbur: "Don't confuse the map with the territory." Mm-hmm. And so it's like okay, if you're using a spiritual term, you know, then apply it to the realm of spirituality or, or, or mind or consciousness or whatever. But science 
like like the like the real science you know they are not concerned with the subjectivity of of interiority and of mind you know they are concerned with the build up of uh, universal yeah. structures mm -hmm. and and so it's it's like um but on the other hand these these all these things are not are not completely don't exist in complete different compartments right you can't compartmentalize the four quadrants or whatever they they're all interpenetrating and inter interconnected are, are they not yeah and I, you know i'm not i'm i'm culpable of that myself i'm i'm just i'm just pointing out that there is a problem there because let's let's shift it away from from governing there's this idea you know and i find that idea very appealing that you have like a physical structure like something something like dark matter or dark energy right mm -hmm. this is valid f f um physics term and then that that would be like kind of the uh correspondent to what we experience as non-duality yeah. right that makes kind of sense that our understanding of non-duality is actually you know the base of base of existence which is dark energy or dark matter right that intuitively mm -hmm. that dark luminosity was the term yeah that that makes complete sense to me but mm -hmm. it is still a category error mm -hmm. maybe I don't know because I, I don't really think that way myself. I, I think I, I think I, I have a more metaphorical mind, and I, 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 I prefer, let's say, I prefer to understand things in, in a metaphorical way than than to, to go into the, you know, f philosophical, you know, nuts and bolts bolts of the situation. So, so I don't know how, if I have an I, I don't know how I have a defense of, of Gaffney or, or an argument. Or in our, our defense of, of what, what you're saying, whether it's categorical or not, because it seems to me that even science is, is full of metaphors. Like when you say the atom, what an, what is an atom? Right. It's 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 a metaphor because we don't know what that is. And you draw a picture of it. That's a metaphor. Of <laughs> it's not. That's not what an atom actually looks like. That's just our best guess because we don't really, you know, we can't really map exactly what an atom looks like. No, so no, exactly. Even, even all of these things are, are metaphors, you know, so so if, so all of these things are words and metaphors or, and signifiers, um, ways that we understand things. So I don't really have a problem about Eros. As long as we're, when we talk about Eros, we're not in this lovey, lighty, new agey realm. Right. We're talking about it includes the darkness uh, right. you know, and the death and, and the whole tragedy of, of existence as well. I think we need to... I need. I think we need to include that. No, I think I, um, you know. I, I like what you say because I always am astonished when I think about you know the universe. You know, yeah. because like in our mind we have this image right, pictures, of the universe. Yeah. yeah, but what we the only thing that we have actually are some Hubble pictures and some pictures from Apollo, like making a, a rearview window picture of the Earth while heading to the Moon. And so you know the actual. Artifacts are very um, small in number, but in our minds, you know, it's like uh, we are, you know, Earth is part of, of the galaxy, the, the uh, Milky Way. And, you know, it's like it's very big, but nobody has ever seen it like in that yeah. kind of way that we. And so that's, you know, we are we are walking within the map and completely confounding it with with the, with the territory with the real, of course of yeah. course and, and yeah. so it's, it's the same with the well, are we confounding you know? the, the uh, are we confounding the map and the territory or is just everything a map the, i'm sorry again well well i was thinking is all we know is like okay it's a bit like um i i don't know i'm not again i'm not that you know Kant's. what does Kant says we can't know the thing in itself or whatever 
Mm. And then, and then, and then, and then Hegel would come along and say, say, but we can only know what we know or. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, I'm not sure if I got that right. Cause uh, so, so we'll have to ask uh, our friends uh, Cadell and, and others who are experts on, on Hegel and Kant, but. Um, I can't. Yes. Okay. Yes. The, yes. Is, is, is what we see our experience reality uh, or is there some other reality that we're not seeing? Um. Or, or is it, you know, I think in the process view, it's it's all just the reality, right? Right. So, so a dog is a symbol. When we say dog, it's a symbol of something which we can't really, you know, explain fully because we can never explain anything fully. But, but yeah, well, that is our rea- that is our reality, right? That is that a reality is- which is which is okay, which is these short form, um, you know, short form. Um, what do, what do you call them? Finger painting. Um, Schop- of the of the universe, but that's that's what we know. Yeah, I mean that's Schopenhauer, and that that you know it's mm-hmm. like his his conception uh, world as uh, conception and volition. I don't know what the English title is, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but the idea right, right, right. that we are moving that was his idea, and he was because he was the first one who brought Buddhism into into the Western uh, theoretical framework and so his idea was that we're moving completely within you know kind of symbols and kind of shortcuts you know and uh, that what we experience are kind of are are the maps of something and but the real world is just a constant stream of of will of evolutionary you might say eros yes you could say eros sure yeah but Will, will or eros i mean i guess that's what we're talking about but some it's but it's unaccessible to us. That's the point. Because as mm-hmm. soon as we exit us, we put some imaginary labels on it, like the dog, you know, or 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 Adam or universe or whatever. It's like, yeah. but these are narratives and 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 uh, yeah, imaginary constructs. The the real world is a is an un, uh, uh, undifferentiated uh, flow of things. Yeah. You know. Well. Well. Um... David Dan Cohen Smith says that you know once you get interested in the ground, that's when mysticism begins. Right. It's post philosophical, right? It's experiential. You just get interested in that that the ground of being, um, yeah. um, um, uh, and not not the not, not I mean not being separate from the manifestations of being, but but not. Um, but 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 something that's that's prior to 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 that to those. To our, let's say, our conceptions of it. Yeah, it's it's preconceptual or and postconceptual or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Freud would say it's all this oceanic thing, and I, you know, I think that's kind of like because I think there's a sophisticated post rather than it's. I don't think it's a regression to some infantile state, uh, you know. But I think, but I think that we can move in the world and we can become more acquainted with the ground of being. Yeah. And so, okay, so it's not being, but it's the ground of being. Yeah, I mean, um, we have this, you know, podcast coming up with with Gaffney and Alexander Bart and Zach Stein now Sunday, and in preparation, I was like thinking about, and I wanted to ask you about this because you you know both of them now, uh, Alexander as well as Mark, and so in my, you know, um, Alexander is. is Hard is, is coming strongly from the Freudian side. Yeah, of libido. Yeah, and and 
but it seems to me, and maybe you, you uh, have to correct me there, but it seems to me that Gavni comes more from the Jungians uh, uh, side of, you know, point of view. Yeah, because he's well, talking about, he's talking more about, you know, the unique self and, you know, all, all these kind of things that yeah. you would rather attribute to Jung. And so um, if that is true, um, then I would, I'm really interested in, see, in seeing how that plays out in the end. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I mean, I guess the critique of the Freudian version would be that it's mechanistic. And the critique of the Jungian side would be that it's occultist and, and obscure and, you know, and uh, it, 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 it denies sexuality, which I don't think is really true. But the difference because, between, uh, yeah. uh, and the difference between uh, Freud and Jung is basically that Freud thought there's only a sexual drive in the subconscious, and that's the main sexual, uh, the main drive. And that yeah. Jung said, okay, there are, okay, there, but there are also other things going on. And so, because like, if you look at well, the, he, because if you look at the hero myth, like from yeah. Campbell, there's no, not necessarily a, a sexual component in there. You can, you can attribute it, but it's not really in there. And so there are mm. a lot of myths that are not really concerned about sexuality. And so you have like two different approaches to the subconscious, isn't it like this? Yeah, well, I know Jung better than Freud, but I, I would say that Jung, I think probably probably both of those perspectives are pop cultural perspectives. Right. Freud didn't actually say that sex is everything, that that's kind of a, this is what Cadell tells me anyway, that that's kind of a, uh, uh, that's, that's kind of a, a pop culture version of Freud. And also the idea that, you know, I would disagree with Cadell that, Jung is has no there's nothing about sexuality whereas he he's very profound about the anima and the animus and yeah and, and about and about sexuality and and uh, the hidden female within the male and the hidden male within the female and so so um so I would say that I you know in a way Gaffney is kind of in the middle there somewhere because Gaffney oh, is okay. talking about this this kind of he's talking about he says that sex is very important he wants he says and that uh, um. But he also he also sort of makes that a more cosmic, larger, you know, r religious issue. Right. That would be that would be the the Jungian. Uh, the Jungian Jung Jung would w w would say no. It's not libido. It's 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 all kinds of things. It's it's this. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Why can't it both be true? Yeah. Know? Yeah. Right. Well, and I mean, so you know, why is there? Why is there an eternal? Sure, they're both. They both. No, but why is there an eternal right. debate around who was right between Freud and Jung? It's not because why you know what I think. I think it's just personality types. I think that people who are really hyper rational and, and you know you know strong thinkers um, uh, tend to be kind of Freudian, and then people who really like to explore and or, or kind of. The, the more phenomenological aspect and, and are more interested in, you know, are more poetic introverted types. They, they think that Jung is, is, is great. You mean more like the left side, uh, right side type. Yeah. Brain. It's a left, almost like a left brain thing. I think, I think it's, it's right that Jung and Freud need to come kind of come together. We need to grapple with both of them because definitely Freud, you can find Freud and Jung and you, and you know, you can find aspects of Jung probably appearing in Freud. Right. So, um, so, um, so, so. Anyway, but I do. Oh my, know, I have like I know Jung better, uh, better than Freud, and I, I know my experience in reading Jung is like, he, he, he's very medieval and obscure and bizarre, and so that's that's 
that's and he doesn't spell everything out and that's that's i love that whereas freud he's 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 the, he's sort of this incredible essayist right he just writes these very powerful essays you know and it's like he gives you a whole system ah it's the eatable complex there you go and then you and then you're like you know no i can understand the world that way so people who are more let's say people who are more convinced of their own truth are, are into freud and people who are more tentative are into Jung. because it seems that Jung is always searching i i think i have like an 800 page tome about the symbol of the tree that's the book yeah exactly yeah, from yeah. young it's like yeah or yeah. or the fish yeah. you write about huge huge tomes about the fish and and the numbers related to the fish and, uh, uh, yeah. i mean the fish that's but, interesting because it's that's christ obviously yeah you know? of, course, of course so but the tree and then you have like the you know well, the, this the, is from kabbalah both of freud and, and, and young are, are you know unacknowledged uh, the, the day that they they delved into into the Jewish Jewish Kabbalah and, and uh, which is what get where Gaffney comes from, which is why I'm interested in Ga one of the reasons I'm interested in Gaffney. Yeah, but he's he's he has like this classical. Uh, uh, um, well, he's a rabbi. He was a rabbi. He he's a, kind of a weird yeah, but, he, rabbi, but he's not the occultist, Kabbalistic uh, guy. He's he? not so occultist. No, no. but he's he he was you know he's he's. I guess there's different types of, of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. of, of of I mean schools and of of a couple of many many of the medieval ones are very strange. Like there's there's one one of them they believe in Jesus. You know they want to they want to bring Jesus back to Judaism. Yeah. There's others that that are that are I don't know that the uh, there's some there's one school um, the the Sabbateans the neo Sabbateans. And what they did was they, they they broke all the rules of the Torah. That was their religion. Um, mm. They were a left-hand path school, like a tantric school. So their job was to break all the rules of the Torah and also convert to all the other religions so that they could steal the, the holiness from each religion. And they, and they you know wanted to break the shell of the religions. And so there's all kinds of wild things. In but he likes a little bit to play with fire. Isn't that so? I mean, Ooh, he should. Yeah. But I mean, like... Um, I think it's not too wise to um, philosophize uh, about the student-teacher relationship and the complexities of that. Maybe he's not, he's not the right person to do that. Or maybe he is, I don't know. It's, it's a, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's a question. Do you trust somebody who, uh, you know, as a marriage counselor, you know, would you rather go to somebody that has had like a 30-year-old marriage and it, that works? Or would you go to a therapist who had like, let's say, five, seven-year uh, long-lasting relationships? And that's, that's an argument that uh, Nicholas Taleb makes. And so I really find that interesting. So where, where yeah. you, to, to whom would you go? Who has more experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, you, you would say that the person who has failed a lot knows a lot about life, right, as well? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Did, did, uh, did we talk about this already? Oh, so you said, you're, you're saying the opposite of what I think you're saying. You're saying that you, you get the guy who's been divorced many times and he's no, the No, no yeah, and that's about, also uh, Nicholas Taleb's argument. And uh, his, oh, is it right? He, he yeah. has like this argument, okay, imagine you have like a, a, like a, a problem, you need a lawyer, right? Yeah. And so, and so um, or doctor, I, I don't know if he says doctor or lawyer. Let's say doctor. And so mm -hmm. you have like a guy who looks like um, 
and they have the same degree, the same years in the business, right? And so they have the same social status, the same money, whatever. But one of those guys looks like he, he, he looks like chiseled and like cut like a gray hair, hairdo, you know, and, you know, he looks like a Clark Kent kind of guy and la, la, la. And so he's like well-dressed and slim figure on one side. And then you have like a little bit hunched over, you know, uh, like crazy hair, And, you know, he's not well-dressed and, you know, it's like, and he doesn't have the social way of, you know, being smooth in the world and stuff like this. Yeah. And so Nicholas Taleb asks, so who would you choose? And he says the majority of people who would choose the second one because he had to overcome way more obstacles to be there and had to face way more problems than the guy that was like, yeah cut out for that yeah right? that's a little bit like um in the yogic tradition they say cities are, are spiritual powers right and it and and one of the greatest yogis was milarepa who was a serial killer oh really and he did dark magic and and um the the, the worst thing that so if you can overcome the worst thing you become the greatest you know yeah city or you have the most spiritual power yeah that's, whereas yeah. if a guy who just had an ordinary life and he was a good guy and and he gets enlightened and stuff and and he doesn't have spirit he's just a good teacher he doesn't have spiritual power yeah yeah um so that that's 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 a bit crazy was i mean If, if, if one could overcome that, right? And that's, you know, what Milarepa does is he goes to a cave and, and uh, um, you know, uh, for 20 years and fights with, with, with demons and, and uh, he eats only pine, pine needles and turns green and learns how to fly and yeah. things like that. But anyway, the, the, the point is that if you want spiritual power, the, pe the people who are the most broken – And then, and then, able are also the ones that that uh, and who can who can transform that brokenness are definitely are, are more are more trustworthy. Right, right. Than the slick people who are the good ones. Exactly, slick is the word. The good, yes, exactly. slick yeah, yeah, yeah. ones mm -hmm. that are very clear. You know, those are the guys I kind of I don't really trust. You know, the slick. Right. People. Yeah, no, those people like from from the. Uh, you know, uh, aristocracy who are like cut out from, you know, the presidency since they were born, basically, or some yeah. and, and then you have the guy, you know, who strives for, for a political office, who, you know, is, is more like the kind of arrogant kind of guy who uh, sits in the um, sp spelunking, no, spelunking is not the right word, but he sits like in bars and talks with the downtrodden, mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. learns the trades of life, and, yeah. you know, And yeah, so, and well, so one, thing, one thing Gaffney said to me during the interview, which was made me think, he says, Do you mind if I pay you a compliment? You know, because he kind of likes to flatter you and oh, say nice things to you and stuff. But he asked me, Can, can, I, can I pay you a compliment? And I said, yeah. Sure, I'm a whore for compliments, go for it. Yeah, and he said, uh, He said, Oh, you're like, you're really, you're like rare because you're sincere. Um, Uh, I, I, I appreciated that. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that gets me in a lot of trouble, Mark. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think sincerity gets one in a lot of trouble often. Um, uh, so this is an example, right? Uh, but then again, um, um, I've noticed that because I'm, you know, because sincerity kind of like you, you, you're not able to play the game and be this kind of slick actor in the game um you 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 kind of then then you just kind of lose interest in the game and you just only care about what what really matters and so 
Yeah, no, no, exactly. You know, I have but to I, I, people know that from you, and people know that, like, uh, uh, recognize you because of this. You know, it's like, you know, all, all these uh, maps of the players of the liminal web, you know, you're always in there because you have this characteristic to be, like, completely honest and, 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 and open. Anyway, I don't want to talk about me, but... Oh, why but, not? Uh, Let's talk about you, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking awesome. Okay. Anyway, now let's talk about you, Tom. No, 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 no. Tom, you're a playboy, basically. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You're sincere as well in your own style, in your own way. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So where were we? Ah, oh, yeah, but ta Taleb, and I think that's really interesting, but because, I mean, it's kind of problematic in terms of you gotta Cartier. fail you have huh? to fail a lot in order to understand anything in the world like you gotta fail and make a lot of mistakes yeah and the more mistakes you make uh, the better you become that's that's kind of the mm -hmm. the dynamic here you know you have to search for i mean you can't break the law that's for sure but you know generally i just re read a quote today from bill burr the comedian uh, and he said you know I, i made basically every possible mistake there is in my career And you could say, okay, that is a disadvantage or so, but on the other side, it brought him there where he is now, which is basically the pin pinnacle of American comedy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so in order to be there, he had to try and mistakes and actually looking to make mistakes to, to learn and to learn the trade from the bottom up. Yeah, you know? and you know, as Beckett says, fail, fail harder. You have to get good at failing. You have, I'm you sorry, what? You know, Beckett... The, the Irish poet says, fail oh, Samuel harder. Beckett. Samuel Beckett said, yeah. fail harder, you know, fail better. Yeah. Something about the, the, the idea that if you, 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 the more you fail, then you become more, you know, to use a Talib term, you become less fragile, you know, become anti fragile. Because, yeah. Yeah. because you, you've failed so much, you become a little bit tough and, and, um, you're not such a flower when it falls away. You get up faster and you, you do yeah, the, yeah, and the, Or else you get crushed, you know. It could be one or the other. Yeah, the ego illusions just fall off, you know, yeah. and, and right. lay bare what, what is at the, at the center of, of, of yourself, you know. Exactly. And, exactly. and that's, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the whole, that's the, that's, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, yeah. it's like you wanted to talk about, you know, Johnny and Amber... And you, that's the problem that you see how their ego, uh, how that we are seeing their ego illusions in that whole thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And you talked about him being a player, and I must confess, I I told you many times before that I have a knack uh, for psychological um, disturbed women, and so I'm I'm Team Amber now. <laughs> oh, you're Team Amber now. <laughs> Oh, really? I was just—I was de defending Amber last time, and now, now, I, now I'm now I'm all Johnny. I'm afraid. Let's 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 duke it out. How can yeah, you the, team Amber? The sicker it be, uh, it gets, the more interested am I in this woman? You know? Oh, I see. Oh, you're you're falling for Amber. Yeah, you're falling for Amber like all the rest of the. the, 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 the I'm Team woman. Amber now. Mm -hmm. You're you're falling for her. You're seduced yes. by Amber. You know. Yeah, I'm I'm driven. Even by at this low stage in her career, you are seduced by you want you want her. You you want to save her, probably. Yeah, probably, no, it's a, it's a. You have a savior complex. Is yeah, no, it's it a, no, it's 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 it's, it's a it's a corpus callosum between eros and libido. It's just I, you know, it's uh, I have to you know, 
procreate um, with her. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> um, yeah. I like to amper her hard, you know? Yeah. I mean, is she going to testify? I hope so. Because all we've heard is Johnny so far. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, and Johnny, I think Johnny comes across as very sincere, which I like. Also a good, good player, a good actor. It's but a bit like narcissistic his, what he's doing, I like doing, his pauses. It? I like his, like, the way he pauses before he says something. Yeah. And then when it comes out, it's, it's very thoughtful. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously had to rehearse this performance, <laughs> you know, and cover every angle. But if he was really lying about all this stuff, I don't think he would be good. He, he would be, he, he, he would have done such a good job. I think some sincerity comes through. In, in but the question is, why, why are the lawyers from Amber Heard so bad? So is it part of the game? What, what is happening there? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe that's it. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll just... Well, because I think that there's a lot of... There's lies that they're... You know, it, it appears to me is that when she gets on the stand, it's going to be catastrophic because there's so many lies that she's, she's said along the way. She has to cover up and all of her tracks, and that's going to be impossible. And that's what the lawyers are trying to do. But, um, you know, so many lies... So, Have you so seen I, any of her movies, actually? It strikes me as that she's a pathological liar and that she's, she's going to have to really have a really good performance if she's going to, if she's going to dig herself out of. Um, well, there's this book, Everybody Lies, you know? So that would yeah. be my defense. Oh, but sure, she, sure. But, but, but maybe she's not a good, as good a liar. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe that's the case. But, but uh, Again, I'm team, I'm team Amber now. I mean, he, Johnny married his mom, basically, his crazy mom. And yeah. uh, he had to live through that uh, experience and have everything taken away from him. That's what he said. You know, if you're Johnny Depp and you have everything taken away from you, that's a lot. I mean, and it's a bit of an exaggeration because it's like moving from, you know, your, your island in, in Bermuda and your, 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 your palisade. And, <laughs> and Amber has taken everything maybe away. Maybe a smaller house, uh, and, and, you know, but. Uh, Amber has taken anything away, what you're saying. Well, she said there was one part in the trial where, where he said um, he, he came and he started to cut himself because he said, you've taken everything away from me. Now take my blood. Oh wow! <laughs> you know, it's like you're trying to take everything away from me. Just here, I'm cutting myself. Just take my blood. You know, there's always his his violences towards himself. He's he was he was masochistic in, in that sense. I mean, you're, you. Know, we talked about this, no? That there's like a dual nature of some women, you know, that seem narcissistic or psychologically disturbed. But then on the other side, it's like sometimes um, there's, there's also like a shamanic quality and to take something away. Because I know that women have this capacity to, say, to, to take something away. And to provoke they, everything in you and take huh? it, yeah, mm, sure. Yeah. They take away uh, social bonds, they to, to take away uh, your, your uh, self-reliance, uh, you know, they take your, your self-image of what you're what you're having and and you can say well that's pathological and that's narcissistic but at the same time i i don't think that's 100 percent true oh that's because great because that's what we were talking about with gaffney actually um he said he said i said you know are you talking about masculine and feminine when you mean the, the soft and the, the tender is the masculine and you know and the 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 fuck is the, is is you know or the soft and tender is the feminine 
and the fuck is the masculine yeah and he said no 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 the 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 feminine is is the feminine has it has a, it is it, it, kali right yeah the feminine receives but it doesn't receive in this gentle way it it, it destroys and consumes everything yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so 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 uh so so i think that's what old johnny was coming up against yeah, because sure. it's always a contract and 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 i think sub uh, subconsciously both know that and i think yeah. in, in in those cases the contract is that the the woman is the initiator so that the man can transcend to a to a, a you know bigger uh, integration of the anima the 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 current mm. girlfriend yeah. has to destroy you know uh that uh which is the man attached to yeah you know? so in a way what you're saying is there's there's kind of a justice in that like a, like a cosmic justice going on there's a balancing like in a way i mean you know regardless of these two people you know amber and johnny in a way what she he's at the top of the game you know and this is where you become an egomaniac at the top of the game right so, yeah so 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 there's something that will br bring you back down you know and the higher you go the more you have to come down so so uh so i th in a way that that's the principle that's working here you could call it the the the, the job archetype if we bring back Eden, maybe right? yeah maybe you know she said you're taking everything away from me and so that's what happens is 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 is, is god comes and takes away everything you know and then this is when the real test comes like right now what he's doing at the trial that's the real test it's like are you going to live your life with gratitude for what's here and now and and, and or, or are you going to be you know are you are you just keep going to buy more expensive wine and bigger houses and yeah you know, or, and, and get high become more get more roles and and more fancy movies and and uh you know or are you going to or are you going to reckon with with the real Yes, that would be one possibility. The other possibility would be that she already took everything away from him and he's now being a baby about it, you know? Mm. Uh, and now, you know, because she, she already ate him, you know? And now he's like, instead of... Now he's just a shell of who he was. Yeah, and yeah. He's, now he's, he's instead trying to get of, his money back. In, instead know? of, uh, uh, in, you know, moving onwards and upwards and forwards, he's now making a, a public... Uh, display about this, but again, I think you know we're living in a culture. I mean, what do you do? I mean, no, somebody no, no, you have to me, fight back. You no, have to no, fight for what I mean. I think that, he was that, very that, passive in the relationship, and now he's like, no, that's not that. You got to fight back. You know, I think there's a you know we're living in a culture where uh, everything is kind of pathologized, but there is like a religious and spiritual quality and people who we now describe as say bipolar or narcissistic or whatever because in ancient times mm -hmm. these yeah. were like the the people who had the kind of power to lead you out of your to take you out of your comfort zone to uh, get rid of your ego shell and to expose what's really inside of you and we were called we had called those people shamans right and i my argument would be that johnny depp and Amber Heard were in that kind of relationship, at least subconsciously, and they had a contract, and you know, like a like a spiritual contract, let's say. And let's say, imagine she would take an, something away from him, so he can be, uh, he could embrace more the anima, the bigger anima, you know. Yeah, yeah. That could so be instead of going to court and try to get his money back, he'd get a smaller house and do some really cool independent movies. Yeah, or, um, or go to, to get get his get his uh, 
his empire back. Um, yeah, do some charity work in the Amazonian or whatever. Do something that is true. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And not, you know, be that fake person that you, you, know, that you are uh, after 40 years in the Hollywood business because, you know, And I mean, this is obviously clear speculation, but I just wanted to say just to only to have the psychological, pathological view on things, you know, that's, that's yeah, kind no, of... That's, that's really, really important. And, you know, that's all, in a way, that's what we were talking about with, with uh, also what I was talking about with Mark, because he was talking about how whatever, you know, people are so unforgiving. Um, whereas we need, let's say we need to go through whatever we need to go through. Yeah, we need to, if, if in religious terms, sin. Right? We need to have, we need to experience that kind of missing the mark, right? Of who we are, we need to become our worst. We need to fully like consume our worst. Like our worst self needs to come out and be seen, and then you know, like in the Jewish tradition, you 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 um you sacrifice a golem, right? And the golem is you, kind of like you you. You, you you need to you need to that needs to fully come out in a sense yeah and what came out uh, was her perfect shaped titties in the movie The Informers you know uh, that's that's the the most amazing breasts you've ever seen <laughs> is that right and so and because they came out so, and so she put it on display I'm allowed to talk about them see that's the problem see if we see the problem is the breasts right <laughs> yeah You think that they are God, but they are just an expression of God. They're not God. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but there's so that's no what Johnny has to understand here. <laughs> but there's no, there's no difference between God and the expression of God. This is no. a false, false duality. False duality are here. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But, but, you know, but, you know, so you could just go back and suck on the tit forever. <laughs> it doesn't work very well. Yeah. Anyhow, amazing, amazing breasts, you know? Extraordinary breasts. I, I, I don't doubt, I don't doubt, you, and I don't doubt that a man could, you know, fall into the, the, the pit of hell that oh, Johnny, no, the, but Johnny a, has, and, a, and, and that would be because of the, that, those breasts. It's a, the movie is only so-so. It's a, based on a book called Brad Easton Ellis, from, from Brad Easton Ellis called The Informers. It's, it's about, you know, the AIDS pandemic in the 80s and some hipsters, hippie, you know, hipsters, Uh, it's yeah, but uh, she she is something, you know. She is something in that. But and what is what something is to the, behold? Something to behold, yes. Not an not an actor, but yeah, she's a force of nature, of course. Yeah, yeah, I mean, of course. She's then a force she, of she she played Johnny opposite. is too. Like you know, they're both a kind of a force of nature. And so I think he's a good actor. I think he's like a. I think he hasn't quite he hasn't quite had his ultimate role yet. That he's been fooling around with Pirates of the Caribbean for too long and. You know That's what I found strange, yeah. Andrew? Mm -hmm. Because like the last week, uh, to my uh, disdain, you know, everything you open, like be it Facebook or Twitter or, or, or YouTube, you either found some comments or videos from the trial or that Elon Musk took over Twitter. But what you didn't find, strangely, was uh, Elon Musk commenting on Amber Heard because they were together, weren't they? for a while. Ah, that's what it was. And so that, 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 there's a crucial information missing. Hmm. And it's like this weird vortex of 
they all know each other, you know, Musk and Depp and Amber Heard. And it's like this vortex of... Uh, he might come, actually, he might be a witness in the trial, apparently. So uh, is that so? Him and... Uh, and uh, uh, who's the other guy that got, well, became a, a Me Too victim as well? Um, Kevin Spacey? can't remember his na name. No. Um, <laughs> Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's not coming on. Now. Um, he, was a, he was a victim. You know, he was in, uh, he was in this recent um, uh, uh, HBO series about, about the porn industry in New York. And he was, know. you know what I'm talking about? You no. See that one? Uh, the um, series. It's ah, James, James Franco. Yes, the him. I think he. That was a good series. He mm -hmm. was, Johnny Depp was really afraid that, that they were having an affair. And he was also, she, he was also afraid that um, she was having an affair with Billy Bob Thornton. And um, these oh. are all awesome actors in my, my book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. I think he's, oh, he's great, of course. I think he's phenomenal. And yeah. also, I, I like Johnny Depp. I think they're all great actors. I mean, um, but you know the saying, no? There are no actors, actors, only actresses. <laughs> I don't know that saying, Tom. No, but it's Did you saying. invent that yourself? Or what, no, 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 it's a, no, exactly? no, no. It's a, I don't make the shit up. This is saying there are no actors, only actresses. You mean, is that like saying the woman makes the man or something like that? Is that no, it's made that, that all the actors, these are men putting on dresses to play pretend and only women do that. And so there's no man... There's, there's no, no real man. In, there's in, no in real man in the acting they're business. They're all actresses. <laughs> they're all actresses. Yes. <laughs> they're all they're all drama queens. Yeah, that. exactly. Is there anybody who was not like that? Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, they're the, the, the hard-boiled actors from the seventies, like like Gene Hackman and and you know uh, uh, Michael Caine and and Connery. They were like kind of drinking. Well, the hard-boiled thing is kind of like kind of interesting yeah it's always it's always the hard-boiled guy the man of very few words but he, he he says his words he measures his words and and puts them in the right you know there's something kind of masculine about that and then and then the uh and that that's really a turn on for the for the starlet who's all expressive and you just have to slap your woman <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yeah yeah